Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to a TVO podcast. I'm Colin Ellis, and you're listening to On Docs, a podcast about documentaries and the stories they tell. Today I'm speaking with Liz Marshall. She's the director of films like Midi and Future and The Ghost in Our Machine. Her new film, Meet the Future, looks at the pioneers behind the growing cellular agriculture industry, or cell-based meat, but don't call it lab meat. As we'll soon discover, labeling is very important. Let me make sure I'm pronouncing your name right, Dr. Uma Valetti, right? That's correct. He is CEO of Memphis Meats. Uma, lab-grown meat brings to mind frankenfood, playing with nature. You're basically cloning meat, right? Is that what you're doing? We are not cloning anything. We are growing these cells. So these cells are growing and becoming muscle tissue. It's just so funny. Like, you have to change your thinking and your vocabulary to even discuss the subject. It's, it's just such an odd <laughs> uh, new, new concept. I'd like to be an investor because I have a feeling this might be one of the biggest IPOs in the history of the world. (laughs) The subject of Meet the Future is Uma Valetti. He's a cardiologist turned entrepreneur and he's the co-founder of Memphis Meats, one of the companies making cell-based meat. Valetti and his team are based in Berkeley, California and are part of a wave of scientists and startups who are growing food out of animal tissue and turning it into actual meat with the same smell, taste, and texture as what you might find at your local butcher shop. And here's the kicker. No animals are killed in the making of this meat. And it it was mind-boggling because it's exactly Hmm. what I remember meat to taste like. I'm not a meat eater. I don't eat meat. Uh, I haven't eaten meat for 30 years, but I was fine to try that meat. I had no ethical conflict within myself. In our conversation, Liz and I spoke about this revolution in food production, the problems with industrial farming, and how cellular agriculture might be the key to tackling global problems from the climate crisis to zoonotic diseases like coronavirus. Stay with us. Uh, Liz, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, it's great to be here, Colin. So I guess the first question has to be just how you chose Uma Valetti and Memphis Meats as a subject. Uh, Great question. So Meet the Future is not a survey style documentary that jumps around from startup to startup. It focuses exclusively on the birth of the cultivated meat industry through the story of startup company Memphis Meats and specifically uh, or predominantly uh, it's character driven. So it's it's largely focused on uh, the co-founder and CEO of that company, and his name is Uma Valetti, and he's a Mayo Clinic trained cardiologist turned entrepreneur. And so for me as a storyteller, it was essential to find a compelling human entry point to this big idea, to this big concept of cell-based meat. And by humanizing the subject matter through following the human story, um, I feel makes it more effective, it makes it accessible, uh, heartfelt, um, it has an emotional core to the story. Because really, I think this film is largely about introducing the world 
or a, or a very broad audience to this new big huge idea which could be one of the biggest ideas of this century and Uma Valetti is a very interesting person um, he was born and raised in India he emigrated to the United States um, where he um, became a successful cardiologist and now he's a leading figure in this new industry and the film really charts the rise and prominence of Memphis Meets, of Uma Valetti as a visionary CEO and in doing so it's like a microcosm to represent the birth of the industry worldwide. What's the philosophy behind Memphis Meets and, and Uma Valetti's personal philosophy? Well his personal philosophy is to work with all stakeholders. He's really a diplomat. Sometimes I call him sort of, he's like an Obama figure in a sense, <laughs> because he, his approach, his philosophy, his style is to work with everyone to try to move the needle forward successfully, effectively, and uh, in a way that is accessible and pragmatic. So he's, he's also extremely pragmatic. And, and, and another aspect of his philosophy, I would say, is uh, the way that he models leadership. So within the company, we were able to witness the rise, the, the, the acceleration, uh, the growth of this startup company. In 2016, when we started filming, the company was just a handful of, of people. They had a small seed funding um, and it was during that phase of their development, uh, whereas now they're upwards of 50 people, and they just recently announced that they raised $161 million. That's, that's not in the film, because that was just announced in February of this year, 2020, and we completed the film in December of 2019. So, but it just goes to show you that this company uh, continues to be a leader, continues to move this this forward. Who are some of the people investing in, in, in his company? Well, this was a real twist and turn to the story in 2017. So a year later, um, after beginning uh, our documentary filming, it was announced that Memphis Meets was able to attract investment from two of the biggest meat companies um, in the world. So Cargill, first and then Tyson uh, came several months later and uh, also billionaire influencers like Richard Branson and Bill Gates and everyone talks about these stakeholders but there's also many other stakeholders um, from, around, from around the globe that are uh, mission driven or they just see it as a really good business uh, decision. To, because they believe in the company, they believe uh, in the vision of the company, and they, they're able to sort of have that foresight and to see, okay, we need sustainable solutions, uh, we need to be forward-thinking, and so let's get behind this big idea. And so they basically the company takes animal cells out of chickens and out of cows and out of pigs, and they turn it into meat. Is that, is that basically it? <laughs> in a nutshell, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's it's important to try to break this down into the into simple terms because sure. it's because we're not scientists, uh, you know, we're not 
uh, food technologists. But essentially, this is a new food science, and it's it's uh, uh, the the foundations of it are it rests on the medical uh, science. So the ability to uh, regenerate heart muscle to save human lives. Um, that's actually what piqued enormous interest for Uma when he was uh, practicing as a cardiologist. And he, he really, you know, he'd already understood the, the, the concept of what was then called cultured meat or clean meat. But uh, he was able to take that leap or, t- or take that passion risk uh, to start Memphis Meats in 2015 because he understood the medical applications behind this innovation, behind this science, and apply it to food technology. When you say it's authentic meat, let me, I just beg to differ with you, maybe. Uh, just correct me if I'm wrong. You, you are engineering it. It's not, it's not completely natural, if you will. Right, so we take cells from whether it's uh a cow, a pig, or a chicken, then we provide them with rich nutrients. These cells grow and become meat tissue. So that's the process of making the meat. And Okay, okay, but I want you to explain what's happening here. I mean, you're basically cloning meat, right? Is that what you're doing? So we are not cloning anything, we are growing these cells. So these cells are growing and becoming muscle tissue. Look, we, we are pioneers in this area. We're starting this uh, on the commercial side. But, but it's so funny. Like, you have to change your thinking and your vocabulary to even discuss the subject. It's, it's just such an <laughs> odd uh, new, new concept. So it's a, it's a process of various steps that takes a few weeks as opposed to years to um, produce meat. And it looks and tastes just like real meat, basically, right? That is a huge part of the innovation by Memphis Meats and other companies and researchers in this field is to uh, master the taste, texture, and aroma and the experience of what meat is for meat eaters. See all the fibers in there, see the browning of the skin. And as you pull apart, you know, meat's hard to pull apart because it's got those features and those proteins and the elasticity, which is... That is meat. (laughs) That is duck meat. It's delicious. And and I was able to try it myself. I was just going to (laughs) ask, how was it? Yeah, well, I'm sort of privileged to be one of the very, very few people in the whole world that has witnessed something in that tactile way, not only through the lens of a camera, but my own palate, my own experience of trying it and it it was mind-boggling because it's exactly what I remember meat to taste like I'm not a meat eater I don't eat meat Uh, I haven't eaten meat for 30 years but I was fine to try that meat I had no ethical conflict within myself to try it I noticed that labeling is really important in this uh, film. They, they, I think the I think Uma and, and uh, Memphis Meats they kind of object to terms like lab meat, and I just I guess I wonder why why that's such a concern for them. Um, I think there's two answers to that. One is that it's misleading to call it lab meat because the the the, the lab facility is of course part of their research and development phase, but when they are able to produce this and scale up 
which is exactly the stage that they're at now. That's a production facility. That's not a, a lab. So a lot of foods actually originate in a lab. Um, that's something I learned along the way. Um, so their research and development happens in a lab, but their, uh, the production of this will happen in a production facility. So they don't like that term for that reason. The other reason that this industry does not like that term is that it, um, it's very distancing. Um, mm. they, they want this language, the nomenclature, to capture the essence of what this is, which is that this is food. It's not a lab experiment. Um, you know, so I think for those two reasons, um, they don't like the language of lab-grown meat. I guess it might also concern, or and it might also, I guess, uh, turn off people from eating it, right? If they thought it was grown in a lab. Uh, I I would assume so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, how far back does this idea go? Well, Winston Churchill in 1931 he wrote an article and predicted this, which is remarkable. And and since then, there's a whole history of innovation associated with um, getting this to where it is today. Hmm. So there's lots of pioneers along the way. The history of it is actually quite fascinating. In 1932, Winston Churchill, he wrote an article called 50 Years Hence. And he said, we shall escape the absurdity of growing a whole chicken in order to eat the breast or wing by growing these parts separately under a suitable medium. So 50 years hence. So he was a little bit off in his timing, but as uh, Uma Valetti says in, in the, one of the final scenes of the film, he quotes this. He remembers this quote. We shall escape the absurdity of growing a whole chicken in order to eat the breast or wing by growing these parts separately under a suitable medium. That's exactly what... We all did. And Memphis Meats um, has always said that they anticipate being on the market, uh, you know, by 2021 or 2022. And I think they're on track. Yeah, because I think in the film, it, it, I think it's it's about $1,000 a pound or something to, to produce that at the time, they, I guess, that the, you were filming. Yeah, and it's significantly less now. And and it can and that price point per pound of of per pound. Uh, per pound continues to go down, so that is that's one benchmark that we follow in the film. There's a few uh, exciting uh, proprietary moments that we we were able <laughs> to capture, and and unveil. So it'll be exciting to actually um, during our release, our broadcast premiere, the world will learn. Um, what the current cost of production per pound is now for Memphis Meats. Oh, can't wait to see that. What's wrong with the current way we produce meat? Well, the current way that we produce meat um, presents all kinds of issues, uh, problems. And I see this topic being um, the perfect uh, centerpiece or point of convergence, um, bringing together um, major world issues, um, themes like uh, the climate emergency, so climate change issues, um, 
bringing together issues of, um, you know, the moral issue of animal cruelty, the uh, the issue of health pandemics, um, and human health, antibiotic resistance, um, zoonotic disease like COVID nineteen, um, and also uh, food sustainability is a major issue. So. Um, to, to give you uh, a sense, animal agriculture takes up roughly uh, 45% of the global ice-free surface area. Um, and I'm being uh, precise about that. Um, and uh, indicators suggest that meat consumption is expected to double by 2050 um, due to uh, rising economies, population growth, Research also, also indicates that meat consumption could be halved in high-income countries by 2030 as a result of advocacy and major systemic change. Um, so these are, these are indicators. Um, but I'll give you a really fascinating, I, I think this, this is quite an awesome um, peer-reviewed um, uh, piece of uh, um, research. And, and I'll, just, I'll just underscore that there's no data that currently exists about the environmental benefits of cell-based meat production because it does not exist at scale yet. It's in its research and development phase. So based on peer-reviewed um, research, compared to conventional beef, cell-based beef is estimated at scale to reduce land use by more than 95%, climate change emissions by 74 to 87%, and nutrient pollution, which is basically water, by 94%. And there's all kinds of other issues too. You mentioned COVID, and uh, I, I wonder if that's sort of a game changer for the cellular agriculture going forward. Meet the Future focuses in terms of its uh, social underpinnings or the moral uh, underpinnings. It focuses on climate change, the, the climate change issue. It focuses on um, animal use and um, abuse. But there's also the health component, um, which we can talk a lot about through interviews and through our impact campaign, our online presence, and uh, educational materials that will accompany this film as it, as it gets out into the world. And so from a health perspective, we know that zoonotic disease, um, otherwise known as zoonoses, um, are caused by germs that spread between animals and people. So everyone's talking about wet markets, but um, industrial farming, where animals are confined, uh, they're, they're slaughtered, they're, these risks um, are enormous. This growing meat from cells bypasses the breeding, confinement, and slaughter of animals. And so that limits the risk to public health. How does the beef industry, poultry industry, how do they, how do they feel about uh, cell-based meat? Well, this is an aspect of the story that I love so much because there's nuance. This is not a David and Goliath story, meaning it's not good guys versus bad guys. It's not disruptors against a villain. It's not that kind of uh, story paradigm. What we're, what we're looking at here and what we followed over time is an understanding that everyone needs to work together to move this forward. 
so, and that goes back to your question about Uma and what his philosophy and what his approach is. And that truly represents who he is um, in terms of um, uh, building uh, a big tent, um, bringing as many stakeholders together as possible to find solutions and moving things forward. So Memphis Meats has the meat industry. Um, it has uh, uh, mission-driven investors. Um, so it's, a, it's an eclectic, diverse pool of uh, investors that are behind this. And uh, are consumer groups also on board? I think it's a combination, and I think that's evolving. I think that's, a, that's an aspect of the story that will continue to unfold. Um, uh, we, we were excited to be able to witness firsthand and document uh, the historic uh, USDA, FDA, public meeting where in Washington, D.C., people from all walks of uh, all parts of society, including ranchers and farmers across the Midwest, including um, representatives from the cell-based meat companies um, in in America, um, and including consumer groups, came together and could get up to the... uh, get up to the microphone and offer, uh, you know, up to three minutes of voicing concern, um, voicing uh, research, um, voicing uh, questions, uh, basically putting their voice on the record um, about the regulatory uh, framework um, uh, for this industry. So labeling is a concern and a big a big uh, area of focus, and, and we capture that aspect of the story in the film. And then, of course, consumers. So you asked about consumer groups. Uh, consumers want more information. So that, that ties into labeling. So what, what does labeling mean exactly? Well, there's nomenclature, which is how we refer to this industry or how we talk about it, right? Um, but then there's actually what will be on the packages, you know, and so that's that's a storyline that that we were able to follow, and it's nuanced and it's complicated, and you don't want to weight it down in too many details for an audience. But I feel that there's enough information there to really show that people are trying to work together to move this forward, and that there is rapid progression. It's moving quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, these agencies have not, they've come together. So the USDA and the FDA um, decided to work together on this, which is pretty amazing. And they've also said publicly, and we captured it for the film, that they want this, they want America to be first to market. So it'll happen. It's just, and it, and it is happening. Um, the regulatory clarity is not 100% um, defined yet. But they're working with the companies um, to uh, innovate a new system, a new way of um, ensuring safety and fair labeling. I eat um, plant-based foods, not all the time, but quite. I'm starting to eat more of them. And uh, something I've heard a few nutritionists say is that uh, they're not necessarily healthier for you. And sometimes they're even like they're pretty heavily processed. And uh, I wonder if cell-based meat has 
a similar issue or if those concerns have been raised at all? I think the concerns have been raised, but um, you'll see in the film, one of, one of the last scenes, um, Uma's at the breakfast table um, eating pancakes with his, uh, with his wife, and they're looking at some mock-ups, um, label, labeling mock-ups for their Memphis Meats product. And they read the ingredients out loud, and there's like four ingredients or something. I can't remember exactly, but very minimal amount of ingredients. So it's, it's simple. Um, whereas I think with a lot of processed foods, um, there are um, lots of ingredients. You see that with a lot of different food in supermarkets. The other thing with like plant-based alter- alt- foods is, and this is just my opinion, but <laughs> the taste isn't as uh, good. Again, subjective, but uh, it's just something I, I've picked up on whenever I've bought plant-based bacon or burgers. There's just something off about the the texture, and it's just not quite as good as a burger. But uh, I, I'm actually kind of like I'd like to try this food because to me, like I mean, I don't like eating animals for ethical reasons. And I've only kind of gotten to to that frame of mind the last few years. And uh, something like this is very intriguing to me, but I guess I just sort of wonder about the health effects of it. Right, right, right. Um, I think this is, I don't know all the answers to that, but um, health and cleanliness of production um, is a huge priority. I mean, Uma is a cardiologist. Um, they're, they're very, very focused on creating a product that is healthy, um, that's good for you. Mm. And uh, job losses or job creation, is that something that's also uh, of concern or that's been raised? You know, that's interesting. I thought that that would be raised by the Cattlemen's Association um, interview that I was able to conduct, um, but they were clear um, that they don't feel threatened um, in terms of job security um, by the birth of this industry. And in fact, there doesn't seem to be a problem with uh, competition, you know. Um, I think it's part of the American uh, ethos, um, the free market. Um, everyone is welcome. Um, I think the real point of contention is with the labeling issue. And that's clearly... Uh, they have their voice in the film, and, and that's, a, that's a clear sort of editorial point um, uh, along the way in the film as everyone's trying to navigate um, the regulatory story, but also um, the nomenclature. What do we refer to this as? So when we first started filming, it was called cultured meat, um, and then it was referred to as clean meat. And clean meat went viral because it's a nod to clean energy. Mm-hmm. And and consumers really like that terminology. That really makes sense. But then it it, uh, it continued to evolve um, to cell-based meat, and that was uh, the work of Memphis Meats um, to establish that kind of language because it's um, it's non-threatening and it's more pragmatic um, and factual, as opposed to referring to it as clean meat, which um, uh, implies that all other meat is dirty. So now the latest in this uh, evolution is the term cultivated meat. And that's not part of the documentary, but that's part of the, the unfolding story. 
and and how it's now referred to uh, by a lot of people is that it's cultivated meat. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing this uh, cultivated meat. Uh, I look forward to seeing its journey, and uh, I'm congratulations on the film. I really enjoyed it, and thank you so much for joining me today. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for the great questions. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, take care. And that's the podcast. Meet the Future is available on CBC Gem and will be part of the Hot Docs online festival starting May 28th. If you liked what you heard, please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It helps new listeners find the show. You can write to us about it at ondocs at tvo.org and you can follow me on Twitter at ColinEllis81. Remember to check out past episodes of On Docs on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. This podcast is produced by Matthew O'Mara and me. Audio and editing also by Matthew O'Mara. Our production support coordinators are Jonathan Hallowell and Nikki Ashworth. Our series producer is Katie O'Connor, and our executive producer for digital is Kathy Vay. We'll catch you at the next screening. Mm-hmm.